0: Our, uh, this, this month, actually this summer, we're going to be uh, doing a study, a, a series in the Psalms. And so if you have a Bible with you, there, there are some on the, um, the, the pew back in front of you. We're going to be in Psalms, um, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1, so this will be right in the middle uh, of your Bible. If you open to the middle, you'll probably be in the Psalms, and you can flip to Psalm 1, and, and we'll read that in, in just a second. At the outset, me, let me just read a quote that highlights the, the value of the book of Psalms. Maybe you're familiar with the Psalms, maybe you're not. But let, let me just set the stage by, by this quote. Um, he writes, quote, I've been accustomed to call this book, referring to the book of Psalms, I think not inappropriately, an anatomy of all the parts of the soul. An anatomy of all the parts of the soul, he continues, for there's not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. Or rather, the Holy Spirit has drawn to the life all the griefs, the sorrows, the fears, the doubts, the hopes, the cares, the perplexities, in short, all the distracting emotions with which the mind of men are wont to be agitated. The other parts of Scripture contain the commandment Which God enjoined his servants to announce to us, but here the prophets themselves, seeing they are exhibited to us, speaking to God and laying open all their inmost thoughts and affections, call us, or rather draw each of us to the examination of himself. And so the book of Psalms is probably the most well known, the most well loved book in the entire Bible. And one of the reasons for that is because the Psalms give us a divinely inspired record of how God's people are supposed to relate to God himself. And, and this, this record of, of relating to God, it's, it's recorded through all of life's experiences. That's why I think that's a great quote, the anatomy of all the parts of the soul. You know, sometimes we, we feel the, the, the temptation to, when we come to church, if we're a Christian, we've got we to gotta put on a smile. And if someone says, how are you doing? We say, well, I'm doing great, because, because that's what we think we're supposed to act And that's just not what we see in the book of Psalms. The Psalms, it shows the whole range of human emotions. That there's loneliness, there's love of God, there's there's awe and wonder, there's sorrow, there's regret. There's extreme discouragement, there's shame, there's delight, there's fear, there's anger, there's peace, there's grief, there's brokenheartedness, there's pain. The whole range of human emotions is somewhere in the Psalms. There used to be a commercial called, there's an app for that. Well, well, in this context, there's a psalms for that. Whatever you're feeling this morning, there's a psalms for that. It's all there. And so the psalms, they, they, they give us words, ways to respond to God in every mountain and every valley. The psalms are in the Bible to give us a full range of ways to approach God, to speak to him, to pray for him, no matter what we're going through or experiencing. And so, in fact, in one of the psalms, the psalmist begins, why, God, have you forsaken me? Is there room in your vocabulary to talk to God that way, the creator of the universe? Is it okay for you to say, why have you forsaken me? It's okay because it's there in the Psalms. It's inspired, a record of inspired interactions between God and his people. And so as we go through this this series over the next 10 or so weeks in the Psalms in the summer, uh, we're we're just looking at life with God through the lens of the Psalms. And each week we're going to look at a psalm. And so this week, the, the, the ideal place to start is Psalm chapter 1. It's a good place to begin because our, our, the, the numbers, number 1 is the first one. So it's at the beginning, it's a good place to start because it's number 1. But it's also a good place to start because it's number 1 for a reason. Psalm 1 lays out at the outset the, the entry point into this, this book of 150 songs and prayers and psalms. Psalm number 1 lays out the path. To follow It sets the stage for all that's ahead. I mean, imagine that we're at the outset of a, a, a long journey, a journey through life in this world, through the hills and the valleys. And, and so th- this, this long journey ahead, it's filled with joys and sorrows, with disappointments and frustrations, with, with ups and downs. And the entire book of Psalms is, is aimed at helping us navigate all the terrain of this journey of life. And Psalm 1 is, is making clear what's ahead. And, and so we can think of Psalm 1 as the signpost at the very beginning. It's the psalmpost at, at the trailhead that says one thing. And this trailhead of Psalm 1 says, as you prepare for this journey, as you endeavor on this journey, there are two paths that you could take. There are two ways to proceed on this journey. And Psalm 1 stands as a fork in the road presenting these two ways, and the question that we're going to be forced to ask, a question that's really important to ask at the beginning of any long journey, but especially this journey, is simply this. Which way will we go? Which way will we go? In Psalm 1, there are two ways. And there's only two ways. And so it becomes clear as we walk through Psalm chapter 1, they're not, they're not just ways in terms of just simply paths to walk down, these are all-encompassing ways. These are lives. These are trajectories of life. And so these two ways are really two ways to live. And these two ways couldn't be more different. And so the question for you to ask today, the question for me to ask today, as we look at Psalm 1, as we encounter these two ways to live, is simply, which way will we go? Which way will we go of the two ways to live? So let's read. You can follow along. I'm going to read Psalm chapter 1. And so you can follow along as I read. I'm going to get in verse 1 of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Let me pray before we walk through these six verses. Father, we thank you for this psalm. And I ask that you would give us wisdom as we seek to discern the way that you would have us to go. Thank you that we are able to, to be on the path of the righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. But I, I pray that you would help us to, to get on the right path and then to walk along the right path. So thank you for this psalm. Would you encourage us and teach us this morning in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, so there's three main points that, that we're going to look at as we walk through. So first point, the way of the righteous. That, that's way number one. We're going to see verses 1, 2, and 3 lay out way number one. And then second point, way number two, is the way of the wicked. We'll see that way laid out explicitly or specifically in verse 4 and 5. And then finally, the end of the road or the final destination. We see that there in verse 6. And we'll see both of these ways, they lead to an end point. And so verse 6 kind of lays out the end point, the end of the road. And so let's begin by looking there at verses 1 through 3, the way of the righteous. As I said, this is the first way. And just as a precursory reading, this is the preferred way. This is the better way. This way could also be called God's way or the way of blessing or the happy way. This is the first way. And as we're entering into Psalm 1, this is the signpost saying this way is one of the options. And this way, look how verse 1 begins. Blessed is the man, or blessed is the one. Most translations are going to use that word, English word blessed, or blessed, and and it conveys the idea, blessed, favored by God. But but if you have the the Christian Standard Bible, that translation has a different word. It uses the word happy. Now, I know in our context, happy is is kind of weak and shallow, but but happy is truly part of what's trying to be conveyed here in verse 1. The one who travels this first way is happy. This person is blessed. One old translator said, how completely happy is this one? And so, and so at the outset, we, we, ought, we ought to remind ourselves if we want to be happy, if we want to be blessed, this is the path for us. Well, why is it the happy one? Why, why is this way the way of happiness? As we'll see, the happiness is tied to what this person does. Right In verse 2, we see something that he does. He delights in the instruction of the Lord. But first, before we get to verse 2, the rest of verse 1 continues. This is the happy way because he doesn't do certain things. So it's a negative. So verse 1, he's, content, he's, he's happy because he doesn't, what, walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. And so this first path is marked by what he doesn't do. And this tells us right at the outset, these ways are incompatible. If you're on this path, you don't walk this path. They're they're diverging ways. To be on the first is not to be on the second. A choice is made. What path are you going to walk? And so this first way is marked by blessing and happiness because this first way avoids unrighteousness or ungodliness. The blessed person doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. The blessed person doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, this doesn't mean that the way of the righteous leads one to be completely isolated from the wicked. That's not the point. It doesn't say, well, if you want to walk this way, you better remove yourself from all the sinners and the scoffers that that are around you. That's not what what it means. What it does mean is that the happy and the blessed person conducts their lives not according to the way of the wicked. So so I think there's a progression here in in verse 1 and 2. The blessed one doesn't walk in the Council of the wicked, the, the blessed person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. so it goes from walking to standing to sitting. It, it's a progression, a, a vegetation process. The way it progresses, and each step is more comfortable than the previous. I, I mean, it, it's summertime, and, and when we go into the, the cold ocean, there, there's normally, at least for grown-ups, there's a progression. I, I'll get my feet wet. And then, okay, then I'll go a little deeper and up to my waist. And then after a little bit of time, as I'm accustomed, then, then I'll put my head under. There's a progression. And the, the progression that's being warned about here is, is a similar progression. When, when someone begins walking in the counsel of the wicked, it's say, hey, well, let, let me get your advice. Now, what would the wicked tell me to do? It's walking in their counsel. It's, it's seeking out advice. But then as, as you slowly become accustomed to that counsel... It's no longer just counsel. It becomes more of a settled activity. I'm standing there. I'm not just passing by. I'm actually standing there. And it actually, I'm more accustomed to it. It's comfortable for me now. And then finally, you're not, you're not cold anymore. You can keep going. And then finally, the final step is you're all in. What started as walking in the counsel of a wicked becomes just sitting down in their seats, namely becoming one of them. On this verse, Charles Spurgeon said that when men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. And that's the progression here. The happy man doesn't travel the path of the wicked. His life, her life, is found on a different path altogether. And the point being made here is that the, these two all-encompassing ways, these two ways which involve the overall direction of one's life, are incompatible. And the reason for this, and this is, this is, this is obvious, the reason that these paths are incompatible is because they have completely different sources of information, The maps guiding the travel down these two paths couldn't be more different. So so one map says, avoid this. Whereas the other one says the same exact thing, uh, uh, enjoy this. Those are are different maps. Those are different perspectives. Those are different worldviews. One says, you need to stop and rest here. Don't go that direction. Whereas the other says, full speed ahead. Go faster when you get here. They are different maps and these paths that are marked by different sources of information. They're built on opposing views and perspectives. That's why verse 1 says the blessed one doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't keep in step with the wicked. He doesn't walk in the advice of the ungodly. The blessed one, the happy one, finds happiness apart from the counsel of the ungodly. To live one's life according to the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly does not In fact, it cannot lead to happiness or blessing because the way of the wicked is plotted on a map that doesn't account for God, right? That's the way of the wicked. It's a godless map and you can't be happy in a world that doesn't take into account God and his existence and his creation and his purposes. The counsel of the wicked is godless, which means it can't understand life in this world. So to walk in the counsel of the wicked is to take directions from those whose map is utterly erroneous, because life was made to be lived with God, according to God, submitted to God in his plan. This is why the first way is called, can also be called God's way, the way of the righteous. And so the way of blessing, of happiness, of prospering cannot happen by following the counsel or advice of the ungodly. It just can't. And I mean, I want to be careful here, but we only have to stop and think for a minute about the faulty counsel that governs most human lives in this world. I mean, what's the common counsel that governs most lives in our world today? Well, what's the godless perspective that our young people, that, that our middle aged people, that our older people are, are, being, are being bombarded with? What, what's the counsel? Hey, you do you. Hey, live for yourself. Now, do whatever makes you happy. You feel bad about doing something? Did it make you happy? Then it's okay. Think about you. You are the king of the universe. You're the most important person in the world. Pursue whatever you need to so that you look out for yourself. You, you, you. You you want to have a great prosperous career? You want lots of money? You want to travel the world? Well, don't even think about getting married. And if you do want to get married, well, you better wait a long time and, and you better enjoy life before you even think about having kids because they are so expensive and such a burden and they will just affect you living your best life. Hey, did someone, did someone wrong you? Get back at them. Make them pay. Don't let them get away with it. Post on Facebook. Were you, were you served poorly at the restaurant? Go, go leave a bad review. Did someone hurt you? Get even. Do whatever you can to make them pay. Are you unhappy? Do you want more out of life? Well, well go, go go, buy something new or, or move. It's, it's just Hampton. You can't be happy here. Go to, a, go to a, a better place. Get a new job. Get a new spouse. Do whatever it takes to make you happy. Do you, do you see that this is what the path of the unrighteous says? You're the center of the universe. You're the captain of your ship. You're the master of your own destiny. Destiny. This is the path that Christians are tempted to walk down because this is the path that everyone is walking down. But the reality is the fruit of this counsel, the the results of following this advice, which aren't given much headline news, but the fruit of this counsel is seen by the ever-increasing number of those whose lives are filled with anger and pride and depression, and addiction, and divorce, and isolation, and broken relationships, and unrealized expectations, and sorrow, and pain, and the list could go on, and on, and on. Living for you, following the course of the ungodly, does not, cannot lead to true, lasting happiness. It can't. And that's what Psalm 1 and 2 is telling us. Life in the path of the wicked, it does lead to a lot of things. But happiness joy, blessing is not one of them because that path is charted without taking God into account. It is a godless perspective. The blessed one stays far from the path of the wicked. So that's what he doesn't do. Blessed is one who doesn't do these things. But notice verse two, what he does do. So, So negatively, he doesn't do these things, but he does positively, verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, that's the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. The contrast this is the contrast. This is the, dis- the difference. The-, the blessed one, the happy one, seeks his counsel, seeks her instruction. They're marching orders, not from the ungodly, not from sinners or scoffers, but from the Lord. The blessed one seeks the counsel of the Lord. The, the word translated law there in verse 2. Right, it does convey the-, 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 the notion of law. However, it means more than simply just law or rules. As we would understand, when we hear the word law, we, we think of like Ten Commandments and, 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 and structures and rules. But, but if you have, again, the, the Christian Standard Bible uses the, the word instruction there. His delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And the Lord is the difference between these two paths. There, there's the godless counsel and then there's the instruction of the Lord. And, and, and so the, the path is charted based on those two, one of those two ways. And the way that heeds and submits to the counsel of the Lord is the way of the righteous. So, so the righteous this way is pursued by heeding the counsel of the Lord. And so we see happiness, the, the way of blessing, is promoted by two kinds of activities. A disassociation of the wicked way and path and an association positively with the path of God. And so the happy life is a life that, doesn't, that, that does not identify with the wicked, but rather is lived in relationship to God. The blessed life is being encouraged here, being laid out here, is the God-centered life. And notice, the God-centered life is life that receives and meditates on the Lord's instructions. He delights in the law of the Lord day and night. Notice, that this is a contrast to the walking, the standing, the sitting among the counsel of the wicked. These two paths are incom- incomparable, incompatible. To walk in the way of the righteous is to meditate day and night on the law of the Lord. Why? Because the law of the Lord is what charts the course, what paves the path. This is light to our feet. And so we pursue the law of the Lord. Now, just to be clear, this psalm, along with really the entire Bible, assumes something massive, which is simply this fact that God has, in fact, revealed himself. That, that's an assumption of Psalm 1. That's an assumption that, that the entire Bible makes, that God has made himself known specifically in and through his word. Which is why not only do the the righteous meditate on the instructions of God day and night, but they also delight in the law of the Lord. This is the means by which we know God. God has made himself known through his word. It's not just another book. This is divine revelation of himself. So that through his word, we know God. We can't know him apart from his word, but through his word, we get to know him. And to love him and to walk in the way of the righteous. And so the, the assumption is God has revealed himself and the, the way of the righteous is marked by a reception of and a submission to God's instructions in his word. One commentator comments the, the godly in every age live in accordance with revelation. That has marked God's people from the beginning and will mark God's people until the end. Living in accordance with revelation. Revelation doesn't change. God has made himself known and we submit ourselves to that revelation. And so this gets to the crux of the question of Psalm 1 that, that we're forced to answer. Which way will we go? The most important thing to understand about these two ways is that they are set by two extremely different sources of revelation. One set by the Lord and the other set by those who don't know the Lord. And it's in recognizing the source of the counsel that paves the way that hopefully makes the choice really obvious. You are made by the Lord and he has set a path for you to follow. There's, there's blessing and happiness on this Way and there's those who, who did not create this world, do not determine meaning and have no idea what the purpose is apart from God's revealing. And they've paved another way. The obvious way ought to be the way ought to be obvious. It's in recognizing the source of the counsel that makes the choice clear and also makes it obvious why one is marked by joy and blessing, while the other is marked by an absence of those things. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law meditates day and night. As, as Christians, we all are regularly in need of growing and delighting in and meditating on God's Word. That, that could be an application of every single sermon, and there would always be need for it. As a Christian, we have received God's revelation. We are called to delight and meditate on His Word. By my grandmother, who, who is a member here, I've, if I've heard her say it once, I've heard her say it a thousand times. God's Word is so important, Nathan. God's Word is so important. And she's Right? She's so right. May our grandkids hear that from us. The godly in every generation live in accordance with God's word. God has spoken and the godly listen and live. And this is the marked difference between these two paths. The godly follow the counsel of the Lord and live differently. While those who follow the counsel of the wicked, they live the other way. And so as believers, we're marching to a different tune. We're following a different map. I, mean, I thought about I thought about Paige, who's who's going to to Liberty University, and she's going to be the marching band. And so I thought about marching band illustration. So, so if you watch a good marching band, band as the music plays, they're all in tune, right? There, you, you can tell when one's out of tune, right? And normally it's a mess up. Well, well imagine that, that that the world we we are all marching according to a tune, and and we become believers when when we are on the the different path. It's like we have on noise-canceling headphones that are playing a totally different song. And we are marching and playing according to the song. We're hearing the different tune. We are going to stand out. We're going to be weird or different, but we're doing it because we're marching to a different... We hear something different. God's Word is our other tune. It paves a different path. We, as we walk this path, are on a different path altogether. Well, after describing the way of the righteous, both negatively and positively, the psalm then uses an agricultural analogy. And so he uses another illustration to describe the blessing that comes to the one who, who doesn't walk the way of the wicked, but who delights in the law of the Lord. So look there at verse 3. This blessed one, the happy one, verse 3, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so in these verses, the, the happiness of the godly is likened to a tree, you know, which is a, a familiar Old Testament image. And so you can write down Jeremiah 17, but in Jeremiah 17, verse 7-8, listen to the prophet Jeremiah. Blessed is the man whose trust is, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious for the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So same image, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17. And in both cases, the blessed man is compared to the tree that's planted by streams of water. And the implication is this tree never lacks what it needs. Trees need water. And if you're planted by a constant flowing stream, you're never going to lack what you need. That's the point, right? When a tree is planted beside a stream or a constant source of water, it will never lack life or fruit. And so drought can come, the stream is still going to give fruit. It's always going to produce because it's always going to be sustained by a constant flow of water. The tree yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he or she does, the righteous one prospers or thrives. And this, we're we're meant to understand, is the result of following God's instruction. The godly are prosperous or fruitful. In other words, prosper there. Prosperity can can have some connotations in our culture that that wouldn't be true. That's not the point. So so just to be clear, the point is not that there's going to be guaranteed financial success or or financial prosperity. That's not his point. When you hear prosper, that's not what he means here. I mean, stick with the analogy. The the prospering here is focused specifically on being connected to the Lord, to the source of life. And so you're going to prosper. That means you're always going going to be bearing fruit. You're always going to have life. And so prospering is life, not wealth. The tree prospers because it's planted by streams of water. The godly prosper because the godly meditated upon God's word and live in light of God's instruction. And so prospering here doesn't mean we're always going to have peaceful, easy lives here. But it it does mean that we can always be confident that living in accordance to God's will is what's best for us and is the way of blessing and prospering. And life is possible regardless of what, what circumstance we find ourselves in because God's word, God himself, is the source of life. And drought doesn't change that. And so to abandon God's instruction is to plant yourself in the middle of a desert. And good things don't happen to trees planted in the middle of deserts, which is exactly what Psalm says next. Look look there at verses 4 and 5. Because he he uses this illustration to contrast the way of the wicked. Verse 4. Contrast. Whereas the the godly are like trees planted beside streams of water, prospering and flourishing. Verse 4. The wicked are not so. What are the wicked like? The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. So, so there's contrast between these two pictures, these, these analogies, these agricultural pictures. The flourishing, stable, nourished tree beside a stream of water that constantly flows is contrasted with the chaff that is blown away by the wind. Right? The, the contrast is, is blatant. And so when, I'm not an expert, but, but apparently when, when wheat was gathered, the actual grains of the wheat would, there'd be, they would be combined with the stems and the husk that, that had come from the stalks. So it was this, this mixture. And you could sit there and you could like pluck out every single grain of sand and do it that way, which would be very time consuming. And so what they did is they would just take the, the, whole, the whole mixture, they'd, they'd, they'd find a place where the wind was blowing, they'd throw it up. And the grain would fall down and, and all the useless things would just be blown away. And so, oh, there, there's all that we need right there. The wind did the hard work. And so that's how the grain was separated from the bad stuff. The, the, the farmer would simply throw handfuls of the mixture in the air, and, and it would be separated. And the, verse, the point that verse 4 is making is, is that there's no weight, there's no substance to the wicked, to those who walk down the path of the ungodly. They are like the, the, the excess stuff that's weightless that's just blown away by the wind. With the wicked, there's no stability, there's no, there's, no, there's no substance, no permanence, no lasting value here today, gone tomorrow. And by highlighting this contrast, the psalm is declaring what the wicked are like. Their, their way, their path, their source of counsel, they themselves have nothing to contribute towards the happy or the blessed life. They know nothing of this way. They know nothing of the truly good, blessed life. Which is why verse 6 or verse 5, the conclusion regarding the wicked is, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. That there's a weightlessness, a fleeting nature to those who walk this path. And, and even there in verse 5, there's this reversal. In verse 1, remember back in verse 1, that the blessed man must not stand in the way of sinners. In verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. So the blessed man must not stand in the counsel of the wicked. The sinners... Will, will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. There's, there's a reversal going on here. And while there's some discussion about what exactly verse 5 means, what, what's being referred to, I'm confident that, that at least part of what's being referred to here is the final destination of the wicked, of those who follow the counsel of the wicked, who walk the path of the ungodly. I think he's, he, he's making comment to the final destination In other words, the psalm is making a very clear point. The way you choose is going to lead you somewhere. When you're on a path, there is an end point. You're going somewhere. There is a final destination for the way of the righteous and for the way of the wicked. And it must be very clearly understood that these two ways will not. In fact, they cannot end up in the same place. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, whereas the righteous will. The wicked will not, sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. The righteous will be there. There's incompatibility. The, the wicked will be gone at the end of the road. The, the, way, that you're choo- the way that you choose is going to lead you to an endpoint, and these two endpoints couldn't be more different. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. Their entire lives are lived apart from God. Their entire perspective on life and the world and everything in it has been formed by counsel and wisdom that refuses to acknowledge God. Their way is godless. And when they stand before their creator, they will not stand but rather will be separated out, blown away like the chaff. They will depart from him because they never acknowledged him and he never knew them. This is the state of those who, who, who live and die apart from knowing God. Which leads to the final point of this psalm here in verse 6, the end of the road. After what has just been said about the wicked, look at the contrast introduced by verse 6. Verse 6 For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the end of the road. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. This is the end of the road. The two paths are ultimately understood in light of their relationship to the Lord. Right? It's either God-full or God-less. The path that delights in and rejoices in and submits to the way of the Lord, that path is marked by being known by God. And it's not just this mental knowledge. This is an intimate relationship. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows, has concern for, cares about, loves the Righteous. This way is marked by relationship with God himself, whereas the way of the wicked, the second path, is marked by perishing. The way of the wicked will perish. It's a godless conclusion. The Lord does not know the wicked in the same way that he knows the righteous. It's not a similar relationship. The way of the righteous is characterized by a love for God and a readiness to live a godly life. However, when it comes to the way of the wicked, the Lord offers no protection. There's no protection offered to those who are not reconciled to him. Rather, their end is destruction, one commentator says. And so the psalm makes very clear when it comes to life in this world, there are two paths. There are two ways to live, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And the path that you take determines both where your road ends and what your journey is like. When it comes to life in the world, there are two paths, two ways to live, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And the path that you take determines both where your road ends, but also how you travel. And so I just want to close with two points of application. So so there's two paths clearly laid out, hopefully you see here. And, and, And I would say that in this room, there are two people. There are people on this path and there are people on this path listening to me right now. And so I just want to offer a word of encouragement, a word of application, uh, uh, an encouragement to both groups of people. And so the first point of application is simply this. How do you get on the right path? And, and so if you're on the path of the ungodly, the path of the unrighteous, the, the, the way of sinners, I want you to get on the right path. That, that's the most important thing that you could do because the path that you're on ends in destruction. You will not stand in the judgment. You'll you'll, you'll hear the words, depart from me, for I never knew you. And so I want you to get off that path and on this path. And and just to be clear, what good news that there's a blessed path, right? That's good news. The bad news is that that no one really fits this man's description. To be clear, getting on the right path is not dependent on you just just saying, okay, I'm going to start doing righteous things. I'm going to start obeying God's word. That's not how you get on the path. Getting on the right path is not something like a New Year's resolution that that, that you can just say, well, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to see how it goes. That's not how it works. That's not the good news of of the Christian faith. The the way of blessing, the path of righteousness, is not attained by trying harder. The way to blessing, the path to, to righteousness, is found only by stopping to try and putting your faith in the Son of God. So so you get on the right path, not by you doing, but by trusting the one who's done. That's the gospel. So so if you know nothing about Christianity, maybe maybe you think, well, I just got to be good and and God will accept me. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. That's a works-based religion. The Christian faith is a religion of faith alone in Christ alone, for salvation alone. So so we believe in Jesus and we're counted as righteous. And so, so if we're down on this path... We behold the risen Son of God and say, I believe in him. My trust is in him. And God transfers us from one path to the other. And all of a sudden, we're on a new path. And life is totally different now. And that's how it happens. It happens by faith in the Son of God. Getting on the right path happens only by faith in the one who gave up his life to save the wicked. Walking on the path of the righteous is being in a right relationship with God It's being reconciled to him, which only happens through faith in his son. And so getting on the right path is about recognizing that God has revealed himself. He's given us a map. And yes, in God's word, we have a a map on how to live. Yes, and it's it's helpful and beneficial. and And it guides us. But more importantly, in the revelation of himself that has come through Jesus, we have a map of how to know him. And it is through the person of Jesus Christ. And so the map... To, to the joy-filled life, the map to eternal life comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. For God, so loved his war, the, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in him will not what perish. The way of the wicked ends in perishing. The way of the righteous ends in eternal life, but it comes only through Jesus. So getting on this path is only possible through faith in the Son. Don't miss that. Don't walk away from here thinking, okay, i gotta, just got to try and be righteous. i just got to try and do better because I want to end up in the right destination. You're not going to get there apart from being counted righteous in the Son, being united to Jesus. And so in Christ, through Him, and Him alone, is abundant life available. But it's available to any who would come to Him. And so, so if, you're not, if you're on this path, there's hope for you in Jesus Christ today. And And so after we'll we'll pray and we'll sing, and if if all we're singing it, if you want to you want to talk to Will or I about what it means to be a Christian to, to get on the right path, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you just want to talk to the Lord, you don't have to come through a pastor. you can go to Jesus as you are where you are but 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 don't leave here without making sure you're on the right path, and that path is accomplished or it's arrived at only through faith in Jesus. Well, the second group of people are those who are walking on this path. You've put your faith in Jesus. And so the, the word of application to you is is how do you keep walking on the right path? Well, what does it look like, to look like to walk on the path and and the simple application, the clear application is is meditating on the law of the Lord. That's the application. God's word is to be our delight. God's Word is to be the source of our counsel. God's Word is to be so much part of our lives that we're able to meditate on it day and night. It's not that we just have to have, have, have just a sign in front of us 24-7 to meditate on the law day and night. No, no we internalize, we meditate, we memorize, we study so that, so that it's always part of us. And so whatever we're doing, we have God's Word right there with us. And it's guiding us and leading us. And in so doing, we don't just reap the benefits of the happier, blessed life because we find ourselves abiding in God's will. We, we're happy and blessed because we live with the Lord. This path is a path marked by God's presence with us, a relationship with Him. And so, for, for the Christian, this is as much for me as for any of you. We are constantly facing competition for, for whose, whose counsel we're going to seek. We're bombarded with, with advice and counsel. And so you can say, well, I don't, I don't watch bad movies. I don't listen to, to bad music. I don't, I don't do all these bad things. If you're not delighting in the law of the Lord, you are hearing bad counsel. And so, so for me, confess to the Lord, Lord, I don't delight in your word as I ought. That, that's a confession of mine regularly. As a pastor, my delight is not always in the law of the Lord. I need to grow in that, but, but so do you. And the good news is God is faithful to us, and he will... Help us delight in his word, delight in knowing him. And so meditating on the law of the Lord is how we walk on the path, trusting that God is guiding us and leading us for our good and for our joy. Let let me pray for us before we, we sing together.